everyone. Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. And we're all ears. We are all ears. But movies talk, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty fantastic. Um, Captain Z release. It's happening uh, when we're recording this episode. It's happening in a few days. When you folks listen to this, it will be tomorrow. So hop over to Amazon, Captain Z and the Terror of Leviathan. Buy that shit. And also... I uh, saw a movie that I was really looking forward to and this week, and it was fucking awesome, which was yep. really nice. It certainly was. We'll get to that here in a short little bit. How about a yourself, more formal, uh, quickie style, but really short review of that. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I think about the same. Just done stuff this week. Uh, went and saw... Oh, I, I, I have an update I, before I forgot. Uh, my, I was checking times for Mad Max Fury Road. And while I was doing that, I saw my, one of my local theaters was showing Roar. So I immediately grabbed my wife when we got work and went and saw it. it. We were it was me, her, and one other guy in the theater. How was the film? It was very good. <laughs> it's one of those ones where if you just if you knew nothing about the movie, you might watch it and go, okay, that, that was that was a movie. But if you know everything about the movie, like the behind the scenes stuff, how many people got hurt, all this stuff, it is glorious. <laughs> Because you, uh, as Rachel put it, uh, are playing the which 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 uh, I guess I should say um, is the blood on this actor real or is it fake? <laughs> What's real? What's they not? Are, uh, it, it's like such a the, the, I guess no one's really talking about the story, but the story is it's just like a misunderstanding. The family shows up to see the dad, and the dad has like a house in the jungle surrounded by all the cats and stuff. Okay. And so he goes and like to the airport to get see them, but at the same time they went, so they're there by themselves trying to deal with all these lions and stuff, trying to maul them. He's like traveled to the airport to find out they're not there to have to travel back, <laughs> and this whole situation, and that's about the gist of it. So most of it's just like people trying to deal with these giant lions just jumping on them like they're cats like hey i'm a cat hi i love you oh there's a lot of cats on me and then just like hiding inside fridges and then the, and then the lion's knocking the fridge over or like there's a lot of random shenanigans of all these cats <laughs> so it sounds it, amazing yeah from like the first second of the film it's hilarious because it opens with a like um american humane society like it's saying it how it got the stamp of approval by them on it so it's one of those again. If you know the like behind the scenes production, it becomes instantly hilarious. Mm. <laughs> so I was la- I was laughing for minute one. So uh, I don't I it's I guess it's still doing limited stuff around. If you can check it out, go see it. It was fun. So I can't wait to see it. I don't think it's playing anywhere near me. So uh, I'll probably just uh, give it a rent if I can, and then if I dig it, buy it. For sure. So check that out. That's a little update on that. So. Uh, otherwise, it's just been a week of seeing some movies, and then uh, otherwise... Oh, and I also did the, um... I guess on top of that, I went and saw the Rift Tracks Presents of uh, The Room. Okay, how is that? That was, that? That was a treat, because I, I liked The Room, I liked the Rift Tracks of The Room, so I liked uh, seeing them do another script and another play on it, and especially an audience of people, yeah. so... And it also had been a little while since I watched The Room, a couple years, so it was fresh to see it again. And I love how... They are doing their jokes, obviously, with the film, but the film itself this is just full of hilarious moments on top of it. Like, there's tons of times where they're just, like, quiet, but letting the film just go, because there's some lines in it that are just ridiculous and hilarious, <laughs> uh, of course. And So, it's a, it a good crowd of people, too. A lot of people who are, you know, not being asshats. I've been to a couple of Rift Tracks live stuff where the odd, some people at my theater are kind of being dumb. Right. 
That's, so, I mean, that's of course, that's, I guess it's a, that's normal if anything, I guess. But So that was good. Uh, I'm sure they'll put the audio track up for it later for this one. Check that out, I guess, if you want. Or check out the old one. It's all pretty good. Or get them both. Listen to them both at the same time, one your left ear, one your right ear. And then play uh, Pink Floyd's uh, Dark of the Moon at the same time. It'll sync up, just like it does every other movie people talk about. Every other movie that it does. Every other movie, so... So that's about it for me, um, and so I guess uh, we'll, we'll just uh, do the good old news. Movie news. Movie news. Uh, let's get a little spooky here. Too uh, spooky. Too spooky for me. Should I hate when we say that? <laughs> but I can't help it. It's so corny. Some dad, dumb dad joke. Um, so as we mentioned before, and, uh, and since we're pretty big on Disney here, uh, we mentioned before about the Hatbox goes coming back. We mentioned that back when Ryan Gosling was signed on for the new Haunted Mansion film and stuff. Well, we have some new stuff about the Hatbox ghost. Um, they put uh, Disney put up an Imagineers uh, video, show, basically showing off the new Hatbox ghost. Yeah, looks like it's back. It's, yeah, it is yeah. back in the in the ride right now, which is huge news. It's fantastic. It looks it looks great. Uh, it's using a new updated technology. Uh, so it looks really smooth and seamless, and I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to see it in person. Um, although I'm going to be seeing it during Christmas time, so I hope they don't take it out and replace it with Jack Skeleton or some bullshit. They're going to take it out and replace it with uh, Oogie Boogie or Boogie or whatever the fuck the guy's name was. Oh, cool. I'm going to go kill myself now. Yeah. It's great. Hey, guys, it's back. Oh, it's, it's time for Nightmare for Christmas Haunted Mansion, so it's gone. No. I'm sorry if this is the one. Like, I feel I always feel terrible for everyone who goes out for game days for Mega 64. Mega, I can't speak today. Mega 64. Because they always go uh, late October, early November, so it's always Nightmare for Christmas Haunted Mansion. So anybody who flies out to Disneyland, that's their only time of the year they go. Jesus. They are never going to get to see the Haunted Mansion. The real Haunted Mansion. And, yeah, and here's the thing, like, um, I get why they do the Nightmare Before Christmas thing, and it is a cool, different take on the Haunted Mansion. My problem is the fact that it's there for 25% of the year, because it's there from October to January. Oh, is it really? Yes, they open Holy it shit. for Halloween, and it stays that way until fucking, like, December 27th, or something like that. Hmm. If it was just there, it, like, mid-November to uh, Christmas, I'd 100% be in favor of it. Yeah, but it's on there for way too long. Especially Halloween. Halloween time, it should stick to this normal Haunted Mansion. Yep. I fucking hate that that movie can take over two holidays. Yep. Hey, the fucking Burton kids want their nightmare movie. Whoop-de-fuck. So that's cool. Check it out, the footage, if you want. It looks like a really cool effect. He looks good and creepy, as he should. Yeah. So that's really rad. If you you, uh, live near... Disneyland in Southern California, go see it right now. If you are living in another state, go buy a plane ticket, uh, stay at a good neighbor hotel, buy a one-day pass to Disneyland. You don't need the park hopper uh, unless you want to check a California adventure, but just just get a ticket to Disneyland. Go to New Orleans Square, get in line for the Haunted Mansion right now, and uh, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride on your little... Dune buggy, Dune buggy, Doom Do- buggy. No, I know it's a Doom buggy, but I I always screw up. I'll say Dune buggy because how great would it be if you're just riding a Dune buggy through this house? <laughs> That'd be amazing. It'd be the best. I don't know. What, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what Disney's fucking doing. <laughs> it should be a, it should be called the Doom buggy, but still look like a Dune buggy. Yes. Because that's Imagineering at work. That is Imagineering at work. Because it takes your imagination to know that that's not just a Dune buggy that's going to talk to you and solve mysteries with you. <laughs> That's a Hanna-Barbera reference. And a Disney park. Perfect. Perfect. 
Uh, so that's pretty cool. It or, is or, cool. Or, yeah. Or you can support in you can support Disneyland like you support indie filmmakers and just watch the footage on YouTube and then never go to the park. And never go to the park. <laughs> that's great. Uh, speaking of uh, going to the park. That's a terrible segue. Uh, Kate that, was a, that was a stretch, but Kate Beckinsale slips on black latex again for Underworld Five. Um, in other news, uh, Underworld Five is coming apparently. The yeah, I'm really surprised. I didn't. Re- I didn't think the last uh, Underworld Awakening. I didn't think the last. No, wait, that wasn't the last one. It was Rise of the Lycans was the last one. The third one and the fourth one never struck me as films that did that well or had that many fans. They keep making these movies. They keep making them. The second, the first one was uh, kind of a fun early two thousands popcorn flick uh, with vampires fighting werewolves. I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big fan of it, but it was in the vein of like the Matrix films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black leather, latex, all stuff. The second film I actually dug because I thought that they like cranked it up to eleven and started going nuts with the monster effects and stuff, Mm. where the werewolves actually look like horrible fucking wolf monsters instead of cats. And then the vampire werewolf hybrid wasn't just a dude painted blue. He actually had prosthetics and looked really good and stuff. Actually, I all around enjoyed the second film. And then uh, the series just kept going. I, I guess you could compare it to the Resident Evil films. Yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the box office track record for the Underworld films are. I mean, the Resident Evil films make a lot of money, which is upsetting, I guess, in some regards. Mm-hmm. Because those films are never very good, <laughs> <laughs> and not even like a good, very bad. Like not in the sense of like we know we're campy, we're going for it, like the Fast and the Furious films, but just really like this isn't. This is just straight up not very good. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on here? Like I don't. But so we'll uh, see what happens there um, when that film comes out. Apparently, it's going to be called Underworld: Next Generation. So like okay, so Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> was going to be kicking a bunch of ass. Of course. I was going to make a uh, uh, reference to uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. Uh, so that means this film will be done, sit on the shelf for several years. Kate Beckinsale will become a popular actress. She, she's going to become super famous in the Marvel movies or something. And then, then they'll try to release the film, and then she won't want it released. Even though it looks like she had a great time making it. Yes. Because no one knows who no 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 one knows who Kate Beckinsale is. No one knows who Kate Beckinsale is. I mean, it's surprising that they're going with this unknown for the fifth film in this franchise. Uh, oh, great! So we'll see how that turns out. More, I, I mean, I don't know. Is are those films dated at this point? Is that look like everything like that weird early two thousands latex leather look? Um, the look might be okay, but I'm sure the soundtrack makes that movie dated as all hell. Hey, no, they're going to make the new movie of more new metal. Hey, Dave, do you think we should get uh, a composer to make a musical score for this film? Nah, let's just pop in some of my fucking teenage son's new metal CDs and see what songs we want to grab to toss into Johnny scenes Poole randomly. Is still, Johnny Poole's still a thing, right? Hey, let's play Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Can you imagine a movie coming out in 2015 that plays Bodies Hit the Floor on the, on the, in the trailer? Oh, my God. Like, you go to a theater, you're sitting there, you're about to watch, I don't know... Uh, Ant Man or something, and then all of a sudden, let the body sit the <laughs> And you're like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Am I in the time machine? Is this theater like a fucking TARDIS or something? It's a TARDIS. I'm so confused. And then, then, but no, then it turns into an anime music video, and Goku shows up, and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm on YouTube. So, um,. We'll see what happens there. Although, I will make a point. If they make another Friday 13th film, 
and uh, th they used Drowning Pool for it, I'll be okay. Okay, well, let's do it that. It worked great, and it worked great, Jason X. Oh, <laughs> uh, can we talk for one brief moment about how great Jason X is? Because it is great, guys. Yeah, I guess we can keep selling that movie, because, guys, it has it's better than it has any right to be. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, okay, that's every it. Other, every other horror franchise that took their... I don't know, their creation to space has not turned out very well. No, not at all. Uh, imagine taking the craters back to space. I'm mean, sorry, um, the, the Creel. Yeah, I think I remember that being right. Okay, so the, 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 the Creel. Yeah, and craters. Taking them back to space actually made those movies worse. Yes. And it's funny because they came from space. Uh, but no, Hellraiser in space was terrible. Uh, we, <laughs> Halloween in space, haven't had it yet. Leprechaun in space wasn't very good. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in space. I gotta see it. Yeah. Remember, every spaceship has an Elm Street. Every planet has an Elm Street. Because if uh, Freddy's Dead taught us anything, uh, Freddy Krueger can just go where the fuck he wants. Uh, I don't know if being uh, detailed from his daughter has uh, tied him back to a certain area again or not. But then again, in Freddy vs. Jason, he went from Springwood to uh, Crystal Lake, so never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's okay. So, I mean, at this point, he can just do whatever he wants. He can rape children, murder children, uh, do whatever he wants. On no Saturn. On Saturn. On Saturn. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, some more uh, superhero movie news. Uh, looks like Fox announced that they, the X-Men spinoff, The New Mutants, is going to be a thing. Hooray. Okay. Uh, directed by Josh Boone, who did The Fault in Our Stars. Um... Apparently it might be coming out later. I don't know. It's, I don't know about how quickly it's going to be coming out, but they are working on it. Uh, I don't know how that will turn out. Um, if it turns out half as good as most of Fox's other X-Men movies, I'm sure it'll be a piece of shit. Well, Wolverine isn't in it, so I don't know how, how, that, how they're making it. Why are they even making it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's confusing to me. Maybe they'll have uh, a young Wolverine. No, they'll, they'll have X-23. That's true. That's the possible. Girl Wolverine. Yeah, and then Wolverine's uh, son. It's one of those things where, um, like, this is an actual team of mutants. I'll have to do something like that. But it makes me laugh because every time this is kind of a little side thing. Like, like when it comes up to the next uh, X Men Apocalypse coming out, everyone keeps talking about, like, well, this mutant's going to be in it. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be just like every other X Men film that's come out, where like there's a bajillion fucking mutants in it that don't do anything. Yeah, they don't do shit. It's like if you know in the mm -hmm. comics, you know who this guy is, but in the movie, he's going to say one line and be killed, and then he'll disappear. And disappear never to return. <laughs> ever. Ever, ever. So, there's all that. So, I guess we'll wait and see what happens there. I'm sure it won't be anything like the comic. They'll be like, here's the, like, we have our team of new mutants that we know from the comics, and then suddenly, like, half of them won't be in this team, but we're going to take some other mutants and put them in there. Right. Like, here's Arcade. But he's not, he, that's a villain. Nope, made him a good guy mutant for this movie. And we're going to put Armor in here. Armor's not a new mutant. Nope, in this movie she is. In this movie she is. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, Fox uh, is potentially the worst movie studio when it comes to superhero films. Yeah, uh, for the most part. So, really, uh, I'm curious how shitty this will be. <laughs> yeah, so that's one we've seen. I don't know, we still have we still have Fantastic Four coming out. So we'll Fantastic see Four looks cool. I, I, I don't know, I'm still hopeful. 
I mean, I'm not um, optimistic, but the trailer was a cool trailer, and they're doing something different with it, so... Th- yeah, that's what gets me. Like, I, it looks different enough. That I'm, I'm gonna keep an open mind. I feel like everyone's immediately already like, oh, it's gonna be shit. Why, do, why it's gonna be shit? Well, the other two are shit. So, I don't... Yeah, I don't... It doesn't mean this is shit. It's like, well, I mean, just because it... You know, I don't know. Everyone's like, but it looks all dark and all this stuff. I'm like, well, that's kind of what the director did with Chronicle. It's yeah. Kinda, everything looks like the, that director's work, so... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like everyone always... I think I've said this before, and I'll see, I guess I'll say it again. Like Everyone wants to say, man, all these superhero movies are all grim dark. No. <laughs> I guess just the DC ones. Yeah. Even then, Green Lantern was a pretty colorful movie. It wasn't Extremely very dark. colorful, lighthearted for the most part, with moments of things getting real. Yeah, I mean, oh no, the Batman movies are grim dark, but that's Batman. It's fucking Batman. And I don't... Su- I don't Man of Steel people... wasn't grim dark. It was... I don't think so. I don't think it was, but everyone really shits on it saying it was. No, it's not at all. It's not trying to be. A, it's not a Nolan movie. It has some Nolan uh, touches, but that's because Nolan helped work on the story. Um, yeah. But otherwise, it's just the real world with Superman in it and mon- and horrible alien monsters that want to kill everyone. Exactly. I know. I guess we're gonna keep. I guess this kind of theme we'll just keep talking about Man of Steel not being that bad, but everyone shitting on it. Fuck them. But. Anyways, that's that's all. That's an old point. So moving on uh, to my, I guess my biggest rant of the week, and rant, I think everyone, I think everyone, I, I have not seen one person say anything positive about the uh, trailer for Gem and Holograms. And are we gonna change that, Bill? Are, are you you and me gonna change that? Yeah, are we gonna are we gonna add some uh, positive vibes to this trailer that everyone on the internet seems to hate? Uh, no. No, actually yep. not at all. Yep, you're right. No, this trailer is dog shit. Hey, the internet, you're right for once. I'll do the same thing I always do. I will give this a chance. I'll give it a chance, but... If the... it comes out and someone says, you know what, it's 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 pretty good, I'll go, okay, so I'll check it out. But uh, at, for the trailer, it's not Gem and Holograms. The tone seems completely off. It's Absolutely. It's at least... The Transformer films, say what you will about them, they got a very similar tone to what the fucking show is. As different as they are. Well, I, I, it's funny, I, I guess uh, another quick point. Um, I, when this gets brought up, everyone's like, yep, they ruined it just like they ruined Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you're a fucking moron if you say that. Yes. Because if you, if you say that, you should go back and watch G1 Transformers, because trust me, these movies are just uh, just on par, if not better. <laughs> They're definitely better. Because I... most of the time, the scripts are fucking awful. And TMNT, that has been reinvented so many times, I feel like everyone gets on like, well, TMNT is this to me. TMNT for me is like the 90 movie. TMNT for me is like the, I don't know, the 2003 movie and show, or the, like, the Next Mutation show. That might be someone's, ver- like, that might be, to them, that might be TMNT. Like, you can't, I think, especially TMNT, I think bringing that in is saying that they ruined that. They're like, no, that's something that gets reinvented every every couple years for a new generation of fans. Absolutely. So I think you can't say that. Now, I, I guess you could say, well, Bill, Jim and Holograms is, is a you know reinvention for the new next generation of fans. Um, sure, but there's nothing in this that is really... Well, I don't know. I guess I could also say, yeah, but Jim has never had his reinvention, and then what they're giving us is so hackneyed and tired, it's ridiculous. It's... Hey, I got an idea for a movie. We're going to have a, a group of... Uh, indie, an indie band that gets popular, but oh no... Our lead singer is getting a little too egotistical and breaking away from what's important. That's friendship and, you know, our uh, the band. It's getting away from the part of the band and what we started. We started out with nothing, and now we're here. That's a reference to music. And 
now look at us we're falling apart because we got popular we need to get back to our roots get back together and show that we care about each other oh that sounds like a shitty fucking movie it's been done to death well we have the rights to Gem of the holograms let's okay, call it Gem of the holograms that on that <laughs> and then uh boom boom we're done yeah it 100 percent looks like some generic teenage girl band movie that they tossed Gem of the holograms on because it's popular of a title and nostalgia Nothing about this feels like or seems like uh, Gem and the Holograms. First of all, it's a Gem and the Holograms movie with no holograms in it. Nope. Like anyone they that's... They put the makeup on her. Yeah, anyone that's saying this is the same as Transformers or Teenage Mutant Turtles is retarded because those movies had Transformers and Turtles who were teenagers and mutants yeah. and ninjas. Like, this doesn't even have half the fucking premise of the fucking show. Um, it's not her rich dad giving... Her and her friends' hologram technology to become superstars. It's just a t teenage girl band getting made up by a corporation, and then they go sing. And it's it's not fun. It's not lighthearted. It's not about like girl power. It's it's not none of that. It's none of. There's no cheese. They're t doing it with a total straight face. And I'm not saying that it had to be like a parody or anything, but. Mm -hmm. Josie and the Pussycats, the movie, was a better Gem and the Holograms movie than what this trailer is making the Gem and the Holograms movie to seem. I 100% agree, and I've been saying that a lot, and I thought about it for a second, and I suppose if you wanted to play the argument also, you could say, well, Josie and the Pussycats is nothing like the original Josie and the Pussycats. Maybe. But at the same time, Josie and the Pussycats as a concept was rather silly for Han worked for Hanna-Barbera cartoon. Hey, we're a traveling band that solves mysteries. That's basically Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So what they did was they took the core of that they kept they kept everything in a lot of the characters were the same like everything was there and they just did something different with it and you know that's fine for that because there's not a lot there with Jim and the Holograms there's a ton they could have done well and also Josie the Pussycats the original show was still a comedy and true, the movie true. while it's a different kind of comedy is still a comedy it's just as more of a satire as opposed to the same kind of humor humor that Hanna Barbera did whereas Jim and the Holograms is you know a fun uh, kids cheese party show yeah. camp show and uh the movie is super not that at all like it doesn't have anything to do with totally. it. yeah it's it's one of those things where if you watch that trailer and you slap some other name at the end like it's like uh something something uh, going strong that's the name of yeah. the movie and and you put that like oh is this some like fucking like script for a hallmark movie that just got a budget so it's getting a theatrical release so it's gonna come out in january yeah it just looks, looks it's, it's just atrocious. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the hugest Gem and the Holograms fan, but I like Gem and the Holograms enough. I would have, like, when they announced this from the early stuff, we talked about it. Everything, like, the early stuff, I'm like, oh, that looks neat. That looks neat. With yeah, and the costumes like, and the uh, instruments, I was right there with you. I was just like, hey, this could, uh, looks like they're doing the right things with this. Yeah, because the makeup, like, a lot of things were working good on it. I liked it. And then it came out with the trailer, and like, oh, this is... Like I just said, this is not Gemini Holograms. Like, I thought with everything we have today, technology stuff, they could have really just had fun with it, kept the camp, you know, made it, basically make an adaptation of the show. You could add some elements, like, let's try to work in the misfits somehow. Let's say, let's add some things. Let's think about, let's, I guess, let's let's pitch our version of Gemini Holograms. Okay, you keep everything the same. It's a, it's a group of musicians. Girl's dad gives her the earring. They have the, the, the AI that gives them the hologram appearances. They're doing the same thing. Make them totally campy, totally, uh, I don't know, cheesy people like it was in the show. Then introduce the Misfits. Make the Misfits some, like, I don't know, you can, you can also do the flip or 
kind of the movies more about the misfits and how they're like hey we're a really good band as they were in the original show <laughs> way better way than jim <laughs> and make make the movie kind of about them trying to like like why doesn't anybody like us and you could flip it a bit and i think that would have been a much better premise maybe something comes along let's this this let's go all out let's say there's some wacko scientists that want let's kind of ape some bits from um josie the pussycats some wacko scientist wants to use the misfits music to like brainwash people or something yeah or you could also go the route, let's say they that something happens to where Jim and the Holograms band is having to brainwash people, and so the Misfits, because they don't like their music, are the only ones that can save the day. And so you have this total cheese ending where everyone's like, yay, the Misfits did it, but we're all going to go back to liking Jim and the Holograms way more. <laughs> so you have this kind of bittersweet thing where you're like, oh, well, we saved everybody, so we know we're better. Yeah. Boom. I instantly wrote a better a movie that probably could have worked a million times better in this honk of, you know, honk of shit. Right. I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you, I, no, I mean, that out. sounds way more interesting than what that trailer was. For sure. And no, the movie comes out around the same time as Star Wars, so it's going to bomb. It's going to get buried. Oh, God, no yeah. There's no hope for it. I think it really does come out the same weekend as... Nope, I'm sorry. Okay, never mind. It's October 23rd. For some reason, I read that it was coming out later near, like, Star Wars. So, no, no never mind. Okay. Well, but still, I don't I don't see this movie doing well. I don't think it's going to do well. I mean, it might pick up a new new group of people who are like... Like teenage girls are like, yeah, that looks like a movie for us. Cause it's by the same people who made uh, Pitch Perfect and uh, Never Say Never. Yeah, but so it's I think the trailer is alienating the fans a lot because I've heard everyone that are big fans just being like, this is horrible, and so I don't foresee too many of those people seeing the film in theaters. For sure, and I, and even then, people who aren't, yeah, yeah, even people who aren't into it, they're just like, yeah, this looks like hog shit. So yeah, well. uh We'll see how that turns out. Yeah, we'll I see how it turns out. I mean, I'm willing to, to turn out very well. I'm willing to see it, but I just don't expect it to be good. Here's a good analogy. Jim and the Holograms is to the show as Birdman is to the Birdman. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, Birdman is a much better film. It had higher concepts, and it knew what it was. Yes. And, I, I, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. So at least it was a you know pretty you know good project on top of that. So I mean this film is not. I guess we're going to keep repeating ourselves saying it's bad. B A D D bad. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, so I wraps up our news. We have a quick little bit here. Uh, as everyone knows, we went and saw Mad Max Fury Road. I saw it Thursday night at seven p.m. Same here. Uh, I had to see the first showing. I was so excited. Uh, real quick, how many people were at your 7 p.m. showing? Decent turnout. It wasn't like sold out, but I mean, it was pretty packed. Oh really? Yeah. Our theater was pretty pretty vacant. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, my theater was definitely pretty packed. Like uh, all almost all of the stadium seating was pretty full up. Okay. Yeah, ours was pretty light. Um, but as we we're leaving, there are a lot more people in the lobby. So, well, either a more people were going to see Pitch Perfect two, or more people were going to like the nine o'clock show in mm-hmm. Mad Max. Because that's when the, the 3D showing is also, like, a night later in the, in the evening. Right. But I didn't go to that. Uh, so I guess we'll just do the harsh and quick here. Uh, Steve, what did you think of Mad Max Fury Road? Fucking amazing. Uh, it was so good. Uh, that This is a film that uh, does not give you a chance to breathe or relax unless it's a scene that really fucking means something. There isn't any fluffer, there isn't any boring farm scenes where characters are just hanging out, chopping wood. <laughs> this is, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, 
Oh, all of my hopes and dreams are dead. Hey, Max, uh, what do you think about this? Okay, we're going to ride across the salts. Nah, I think that's a dumb plan, because this can give you hope, and this can change everything. Okay, let's do that. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Hey, it's the end of the movie. Holy shit, the movie. Yeah, it's that is actually the perfect tagline for the film. Uh, holy shit, good. the movie. Uh, because I found myself saying holy shit a lot during this. Uh, I, a lot of white knuckle moments. A lot of white knuckle moments. I love the villain. Morton Joe. Yeah, he looks cool as hell, and the voice, insane, like, horrible monster voice they give him is fantastic. His entire society of how he uses people is so great, and it's so easy to hate him. And you got great characterizations, you got character arcs for everyone, and I appreciate that it's just another Mad Max movie where Max gets roped into some horse shit that he wants nothing to do with, and because he's a good guy, he fucking saves the day, helps everyone, and just fucking leaves. He's basically Conan the Barbarian in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, I, you are so on point. I feel like I've seen a lot of reviews, a lot of people talking about, Ooh, Max is even the main character in the movie! Max, well, Max is doing nothing! Like, you've uh, clearly not seen a single film in this franchise, if you're saying that. Yeah. Every single movie... Okay. The first sorry, one I, is his. Uh, the first one, you can still argue. Like, hey, I'm, I'm Max. Oh, I stumbled onto this biker gang. Oh, yeah, Now yeah. everything's fucked. The second film, I am Max. Oh, I stumbled out upon this conflict between Humongous and these people as oil refinery. Hey, I'm Max. I stumbled upon this lost tribe of kids. It was just fucking... I mean, uh, being Mad Max... Uh, sorry, Beyond Thunderdome gets a bit uh, weird with this. But, you know, he stumbles upon all this stuff that's going on regardless of him and this film's the same thing he stumbles upon these women trying to get away from this this uh, warlord and all this stuff and his his you know he's helping save the day it is like a mad max film yeah <laughs> it's following everything perfectly uh i will say this is uh, this is probably george miller's best film in the series i think this, I think this is this is better than all the previous three films um, I mean, time may tell on that, but I, I let's be honest. I, after I left the theater, I knew it was better than. Obviously, it's better than Thunderdome. I it's definitely better than Max in my eyes. Uh, yeah, and I'd say so. I, I think it's better than Road Warrior. I want to say I ha I have to rewatch Road Warrior. It's been a while. I watched it uh, within the past six months or so, so I, I have a pretty I'm pretty fresh on it. And I want to say this is definitely. I want to say this is better than that. I feel like he's had this is a third his third time having a, a semi-truck be chased by a bunch of cars, and I think he mastered it. <laughs> yep. I really think he did. I, I think this is... I'm going to say this, this is his masterpiece. And I, and I think it's a, it's important to say to people that this is not, like, a remake, this is not a reboot, this is straight up just the fourth Mad Max movie, it seems. Yeah, and you can also... I mean, in a way, you could say that the previous three films... This is something that got brought up, and I, I, and I thought about it, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, this is the first time where Max is the uh, narrator in the film. Yes. The previous films, other people were narrating, telling stories like, hey, here's this legend of this of the Road Warrior. Yeah. You know, and all this stuff. And so it could be say that those films might still be exist, but they're also tales being told by other people. Yeah, so who knows exactly, specifically, what was happening. It, exactly, exactly. So it, it, it's one of those things where, like, um, I think George Miller said himself, it's not a reboot, it's not a, like, a continue, not a uh, sequel, it's more just a, I don't know, revisit to the series like everything here's to everything is it's, yeah let's just go into it don't think like, i hate people to try to do that try to try to say well this doesn't make any sense how is this a sequel it's like it doesn't need to be just yeah just go for it, 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 it if you're not a dummy the, the film is telling you enough you need to know like obviously max is a character is haunted by the death of his wife and his daughter and so it's you know and he's on this post-apocalyptic wasteland i thought it was his it, son no it was his daughter okay 
If I remember correctly. I mean, I mean I'm not, it's been a while since I've seen Mad well, Max whatever. 1. In the, new, yeah. in the new movie, in the new continuity, it's his daughter. That's fine. So, boom, that, that's what it is. I like, there were some nods, though. I, I, I did enjoy the, I mean, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but there's like, like a little bit, so I liked, like, the uh, the music box. Yes. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, I did. I, caught, I thought that was really cool. Uh, was his uh, leather jacket sleeve rolled up, or was it still cut off from the previous films? Uh, I couldn't tell. I, I, I don't know. I think it was cut off. Because I know he had one sleeve, of course, but I don't know. Well, yeah, because post-Mad Max 1, his sleeve was cut, because they the paramedics would have to cut the leather jacket in order to uh, fix his arm. Yeah. Um, so then it was cut for the next two films. So I couldn't tell if they kept it cut for this, or if he at some point just got a new jacket and now it's rolled up for the look of the character. Uh, I'm going to go rewatch it this week, I'm sure. I'm probably going to go to IMAX just to check it out. Um, I will look for that to see if that was that what was in it. So that's pretty that's cool. I didn't think about that. but So yeah, I, um, I'm, trying to think. I, I'm trying not to get spoilers because it's still brand new. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, go see it. I want this movie to make a lot of money. A lot of money. Because uh, because it deserves uh, it way more than Avengers. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it won't, I don't. It's sad it won't make a billion dollars. It won't make a billion, but I want it to make a bunch of money. You know, because this is this is the I want to reward the studio for giving George Miller the money and then giving him more money to do the reshoots last year to actually finish the film and make it right, and letting him do what his vision was. For sure. Because um, and plus he he has two two finished scripts done for two more movies because he wrote so much material for this one that he had enough to make two more so he finished those scripts so I mean if this movie does well he has the money to make more yes I mean anyway, he has the material to make more he gets the money hopefully hopefully he gets the money and especially I want to reward a major studio action film summer release that keeps its R rating for sure because we don't get that enough on top of all the practical effects they had in the film. <laughs> Now, someone asked me, uh, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on the uh, answer to this question. Someone asked me, is this better than Dread? Yes. Uh, and I because said, I, yes, I, I said maybe, but for different reasons. Yeah, I was going to have an asterisk on that. Yes, because they're, they're, but at the same time, they are two completely different films. Yes, it's not just as easy as saying they're two action films that take place in a dystopian future. Uh, because the plots and the characters themselves are so different. Uh, the way I described it was that Dread is about order um, and people trying to find freedom in a world full of insane levels of order and trying to maintain that order. Mad Max is about anarchy and chaos and trying to survive in a world that's anarchy and chaos. True, very true. Plus, obviously, Dread's a smaller movie. It's smaller in scope, smaller in scale. It's about one, just one cop. One cop in uh, one building. On a, just a regular day in the job, and Mad Max is just this whole uh, survival in this post-apocalyptic wasteland, and I guess one cop trying to make his. Way. <laughs> it's just one cop. Yeah, another day on the job for Mad Max. Every sure, single day see. he goes on an adventure like this. I like to think. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we've been led to believe. He just you know lives and then stumbles into some serious shit going on and helps him out. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean. I like, but I don't know what I'd say is each. I don't know. This film is so masterfully crafted, and it's obviously huge in scope and scale that I, I, I love it, obviously. Now, whether or not I think it's better than Dread, it's all subjective. It depends on my how I'm feeling. No, I agree. It's super so My gut wants to say yes, like on a pure action standpoint, because this one is a non is an unrelenting film for four, for two hours in that regard. Mac, Mac, I'm sorry, Dread is more. Uh, there's there's set pieces of course and there's slower stuff and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
So I, if I was, if I'm being brutally honest, my gut says Mad Max Fury Road is a, be, is, is a better action movie, just because it, it has more action in it. Yeah. So it, you're going to have that. Like I would, I will absolutely say it's the best action film I've seen. In, I don't even know how long. So is the uh, the guitar playing uh, guy the a great character or the greatest character in the film? Do you think? Uh, that guy is the most metal character. <laughs> so I've So fucking a long time. metal. He's blind. He's just on a fucking uh, speaker mobile, just r- playing sick riffs all throughout the wasteland. Yes, that's all he does. That's all he knows. That's his job. Um, that's his job. Just just to do that. My favorite part of the film is when uh, the all the bad guys were just chilling and relaxing because they've been in pursuit for a while, so they were taking a break. And then immediately, once they start pursuing again, he immediately leaps up from being asleep to start playing. Like no, f- that's that's a goddamn that's dedication. Absolutely. So, uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. Sick guitar-playing guy. Steve, how many stars would you give this film? Uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and give it a three and a half. That's out of a possible three and a half. Ah, perfect score. Yeah, perfect. Seriously, five out of five. There's, and I do not give many movies five out of five. Everyone knows that. This movie, 100% a five out of five. I give, a, I give it a five out of five, but I also give a lot of movies five out of five. So, I guess five out of five always got the asterisks where I have to give a little footnote on why I gave it a five out of five. Because uh, sometimes if a movie delivers well enough and I like it well enough, I'll get a five out of five even if it's like a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm not afraid to do that. But I mean, obviously, I can be just more judgmental on some other things. But no, it's a it is a perfect movie, perfect action film. It is, like I guess, I will keep saying it is George Miller's masterpiece. Yes. And I mean, I know we said a lot of him, but no, Tom Hardy's great in it. Charlize Theron's great in it. Everyone's delivering stellar performances. Great film. Don't I don't I feel I, I a lot of people are just spouting all weird crap about it. Just go see it. Don't try to be all man, men's rights activists. Don't be all try to be all like, ooh, feminist, this, that. No, just go see the movie. Yeah, don't be the don't be the Tumblr arena. Don't be the social justice warrior, and don't be some dickhead misogynist internet tough guy. No shit. Just go see the movie, and it's good. It's a good fucking movie. Yeah, don't don't be baited into all these weird like clickbait articles about all this weird shit. Did you know? Just go see did it. you know that Miller wanted uh, Mel Gibson to cameo in the film, and the studio wouldn't let him? Okay, that's okay. Thank you, because I thought I had read that he said that Mel Gibson, I hinted at Mel Gibson did have a cameo, and so I watched the movie even till the end of the credits, thinking maybe a PS, and I didn't see Mel Gibson, and I was like, oh, I thought he was supposed to be in this. I think it's really uh, shitty that Roman Polanski's name gets said at the Oscars, and he gets a standing ovation um, after he drugs and rapes a 13-year-old girl, and then leaves the country in order to not go to jail or serve his time for it. By the way, Roman Polanski's still a rapist. Um, he is. Yet Mel Gibson says an anti-Semitic thing one time when he's drunk, and now he's not allowed to work in Hollywood anymore. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> um, and like, don't get me wrong, uh, racism is still shitty, but a one-time thing while drunk being punished so harshly versus a fucking rapist being celebrated by the same city. Well, you know, Roman Polanski's just an artist. You know, he's he's eccentric. You know. Oh yeah, he's eccentric raping. He's an eccentric rapist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck it. it just I, I, I think off. I think you hit the nail on the head, though. I think the reason why like, I was about to say before we got into this, which I totally agree with, and that's a very good point. I'm gonna make sure to bring that up to some people um, when they kind of shit on Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah, it's like Hollywood is just like blacklisted to a weird point where it's just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> Every, like, I mean, if you want to fire him from one job after he did that, I get that, but not yeah. not forever. <laughs> I don't get Especially it, because I mean, he also called a cop sugar tits, and to me, that immediately makes up for all transgressions he made that night. 
Very, very fair, I guess. But God damn, so Kikes, much. whoa, Mel, that's not cool. Whatever, sugar tits, I'll, I'm not mad at you anymore. <laughs> Before we get on this too long, I want to, I'll get into this. You know, there's been plenty of times in Hollywood where people have been drunk and done way worse shit and have gotten to have entire careers after that. Mark Wahlberg fucking uh, fought and blinded a random just Vietnamese man and has done way worse shit. I know he's obviously served time for that stuff, but he's done way more shit in his career, which, I mean, I love Mark Wahlberg, don't get me wrong, but still, he's just like, you know, he can come back from that, but for some reason, one time where someone's drunk and says some stupid shit, that's a suddenly like, oh, you're out of here. Yeah. Bye, Mel. Yeah. Like, go, go fuck yourselves, Hollywood. Yeah, seriously. I don't know, it might be that, it might be the fact that Apocalypto didn't do very well, but I don't know why that movie's great. That wouldn't prevent him from being an actor. I don't know, so it's, it's all weird yeah. shit. So... Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe the this film does well enough. George Miller can have some more pull. Yeah, hopefully. Some other stuff. Maybe Liv Mel Gibson, um, uh, special guest direct scene secretly. Secretly, I will try to remember. But there's a Vimeo video where um, the two, um, like the cinematographer, and then the guy sent this to Steve. I don't know if Steve watched it. Uh, it's two hours long, so I did not watch it yet because you sent it to me at like five a.m. or whatever. It was. No, that, that's totally right. <laughs> it's totally fine. Totally but yeah, it's a two-hour discussion where they're basically talking about how shooting the film and everything. It's actually incredibly fascinating how like the process of the film. Like originally they were going to do three D, found out it didn't work, so they scrapped that entire idea of shooting in three D. But they still shot it like it was three D. I did hear about that. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I'll try to link that it's a fantastic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge into like knowing all about cameras and stuff like that, but just hearing the, the cinematographer talk about how they went about the process and all this other stuff, working with George and all this other things, production of the film, it's incredibly fascinating, especially because of how much work went into making the film and how many. Because I think he even mentioned like this film had been in production essentially for like 16 years. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to post that, and so we'll kind of leave it at that. So yeah, go see Fury Road. It probably won't be number one at the box office this weekend because of Pitch Perfect 2, but I feel like this film is a film that will stick around for a while and make money over the next couple weeks. 100% agreed. I think it'd be just like The Kingsman. Kingsman is a film that stuck around for quite a while and made a good amount of money. Yep. So, I expect Fury to do the same. So, there, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I guess we should just uh, hop on to this week's discussion. This week's discussion, uh, we were, as we were trying to think of things, um, we didn't want to necessarily do like another sci-fi sequels right away. We might be doing that next week, content. Um, and some other things. We I had the idea of, hey, let's talk about two solid like foundations for franchises that really fell uh, apart. Not, yeah, really <laughs> fell apart. Did not deliver on the promises of the films. And so I thought, what what I think two perfect examples of that is 1986's Highlander and 1992's Universal Soldier. Yes. So uh, let's just kick it off with uh, 1986 1986's Highlander, directed by Russell Mulcahy. Mulcahy? I'm sorry. Let's go with Mulcahy. Mulcahy, that's a good one. Uh, Oi, I'm Russell Mulcahy, and I'm making this film about the Highlander. Oh, Jesus. You're welcome. Stop that right now. (laughs) Who do you think you are, Egyptian? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I want to start off by saying these are the two worst uh, synopses. Highlander's not as bad as Universal Soldier. Let me read Highlander's. An immortal Scottish swordsman must confront the last of his immortal opponent... (laughs) A mysteriously brutal barbarian who lusts for the pr- fabled prize. Uh, that sounds metal as shit. That's a pretty decent synopsis. Uh, I like how is. prize is in quotes. It is. <laughs> it was all sarcastic and shit. It's like some guy with a fucking curly mustache and a hat and drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's like, yeah, murderously brutal barbarian who's lusting for his fabled prize. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like such a fucking hipster. Sounds like a, I don't like using that word, but that you know the the stereotypical what we think of a hipster, I guess. We'll, we'll talk. About yeah. Um. So yeah, let's talk about Highlander. 
Highlander. Uh, that's about right. It's about it follows the story of Connor McCloud of the Clan McCloud of the Clan McCloud, mm-hmm. uh, who is played masterfully by Christopher Lambert. Who, if you don't know much about Christopher Lambert, he was the son of a UN representative who traveled all the around the world. So he has a very interesting accent. Has and he has a weird accent because his accent is this full of all sorts of shit. It's a great accent. Like it's such a unique voice. Um, as a straight man, that's a sexy accent. It is a sexy accent, and he's a sexy man. I will say that's a straight man. I'm not gay, but I'd love to kiss him. I would totally... There are a very short list of men that I would go out of my way to kiss, and he's on it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad and we're talking also, about this right now. <laughs> perfect time. Perfect time. Christopher Lambert, if you're listening to this, uh, we would kiss you. So hook us, hit us up. Hit us up. Uh, and another, and it's great that he's in a, mo- a, a movie that's centered around sword fighting, because he is practically blind without his glasses. because uh, he has eyesight problems. Yes. Which, which uh, factors in as well to the fact that he has a very good look because he's always staring off weirdly because he's blind, practically. Yes. So he has a very vacant stare. Um, but essentially it comes down to Connor McCloud is an immortal. Uh, that's all we're going to say. We're not going to bring into the weirdness that the uh, later films kind of try to bring into the whole deal. Yeah. So just Highlander. In the film, he is an immortal. There are lots of other immortals. And eventually they're going to come to a point where they all fight each other and, for the ultimate prize. And then there's only going to be one left. There can be only one Highlander movie because everything after that. Is... Yeah, yeah, it's pulling the collars. Go, <laughs> so, and, and his uh, main opponent in this film is the Kurgan, played by Clancy Brown. And so brilliantly! Oh, absolutely. And the essential... Uh, conflict of the film is that if the kurgan wins it's bad news because the kurgan is the in this universe kind of the personification of evil. he is an asshole and we don't want the asshole, asshole to win the prize whatever that prize is whatever that prize is which would be interesting to see what would have happened if he did win. but and so it's about connor uh and his struggles to fight off the kurgan at the same time struggle with the fact that he is an immortal person and, and the, the film uh, deals with that a lot yes like, in a lot of ways like, what it means to be immortal is essentially the people you love are going to die, and you're going to be the one that's still there after they're gone. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, so, I enjoyed all the uh, time period jumps that this film did, especially because, like, you could tell that they only had this amount of money that they scrounged together to make this movie, and they had no plans or ideas whatsoever that this could possibly be more than one movie. So they were trying to get as much of the story out as they could in this film. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's you know, you see Connor in the past with his first wife, you see him in fucking Nazi Germany just being an asshole to Nazis. Well, not in the original theatrical cut. Oh, that's right. I forgot that they cut that bit out. Uh, that there's a, a lot of things that do the setup and the flashbacks that are in the like European release of the film but not in the US cut of the film. Well, the most memories I have is from the non-theatrical cut. Cuz I sure, think a lot sure. of that was actually added back in for like the Sci-Fi Channel stuff, which is where I think I first saw the film. Yeah, like I think all the releases. Like, I, don't, I don't know if the original home video, but uh, most releases. If you're watching the film now, you're going to see all this stuff anyway, so it's not going to really affect you. Yeah. But I guess let's just. Uh, we're kind of jumping all over the place here. Uh, we'll just go into like. I mean, I don't know how many negatives we're going to have to say, but I mean, I don't know how well we're going to fit through. Uh, oh, and if you folks guess. have not seen Highlander, um, also Sean Connery, who is a Scotsman, plays Juan Sanchez Ramirez, who is Egyptian. Have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Steve, Steve, uh, I know you're. Hu- this is kind of the huge franchise for you. But we'll stop sticking with this, this, just this film. Steve, what are your thoughts on Highlander? Uh, I love Highlander. Uh, it's definitely not for everyone, especially because I mean it hasn't aged super well, and I completely admit to that. 
you know, it's a little rough around the edges. It's a little slow. Some of the things that, you know, were cool 10, I'm sorry, not 10, Jesus, 2015, that were cool like over 20 years ago, not that cool now. Some of the sword fighting is a little shoddy. But you know what? I think it was a beautiful story. Um, I love Clancy Brown. I love uh, Christopher Lambert. I love uh, Sean Connery. I think they all do an amazing job in their roles. I like going through the timeline of Connor's life. I like the little subtle things where you see him meet a little girl in Nazi Germany, and that is the old woman that he is still in a relationship with right now. But they don't out. They don't bring too much attention to that. You, you just connect the dots yourself. Um, his life experiences, how he's able to have all this stuff, how he tries to live, and how he consistently is fighting all these other mortals, while also simultaneously having like good relationships with some of the other immortals, which I think is a really nice point. Like they aren't all just enemies of each other because that wouldn't make sense. It makes yeah. sense that these other dudes who are cool guys who so happen to be immortal would be total fucking bros and not fight each other until much later down the timeline when there is no choice, possibly. Until the gathering. Yeah. Um, of the Juggalos. Of the Juggalos. Uh, great film. I think it's beautiful. Um, I also enjoy the uh, little factoid that uh, the filmmakers invited Queen to watch a screening of the film and asked them if they'd be interested in writing a song for the film. And after the movie uh, was done, Queen walked out of the theater with pages of a bunch of songs and yeah. said, we will do all of these for the same price just because they loved the movie that much. For sure. And the Queen loves the movie? Well, they can't be wrong because they're Queen. Yeah, that's another great selling point in this film. Uh, Queen did the soundtrack. <laughs> all of it. Which brings, to a, brings kind of to a sad point to the fact that there are still songs from this film that are not released because I mean I don't know this is, I don't know how much foreshadowing this is, but no, this movie didn't do very well at the box office, so they kind of scrapped the release of the soundtrack. Yeah. So Queen, you know, many of the songs like "Prince of the Universe," "Who Wants to Live Forever," it's kind of a uh, kind of magic. Uh, those did see releases later on Queen's albums, but the, there's a couple songs like uh, Freddie Mercury's rendition of "New York, New York" is not yeah. available still, mm -hmm. which, is, which is rather surprising to me. Extremely, yeah. Years, you know, get that out there, but you never know. Um, so yeah, great film. I love it a lot. Um, it's a shame what happened to the sequels. Although, unlike unlike Bill, I do enjoy the TV series for what it is. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Totally fine. You know, there's nothing to argue. You like it. Absolutely. I mean, you don't like it. I like it. And because I like the show, I like the fourth movie. But the second or third movie, especially the second movie, is just fucking trash. And it's insulting to what Highlander could have been. Absolutely. Uh, but before we move on to those things a little bit too much, uh, I... Um... I came into Highlander late. Like, I had seen bits and pieces of it. I knew of the film and things, but I don't think... I haven't really seen the movie all the way through until maybe... Man, actually, it might have been, like, about five years ago now. And ever since then, whoo, boy. I love this movie. I watch it every couple months. Uh, my wife likes it a lot. We, it, uh, Everything the Kurgan says in this film is highly quotable for us. Uh, my, one of my favorite scenes is the church scene. Oh, um, yes. When he, when he comes in with his shittily shaved head... <laughs> He goes up to Connor. He's like, "I'm in disguise." <laughs> Every scene with Clancy Brown in this film—that's <laughs> so true. Clan in, I don't think Clancy. I think Clancy Brown is an actor that does not get enough credit for how amazing he is. I agree. I mean, I know, like for us and a lot of film nerds and stuff, they love Clancy Brown. But I feel like, for in general, Clancy Brown does not get enough love. Uh, nearly enough. He's too good. Too good for a lot of things. Yep. Completely great. Uh, so I, I love him desperately in this film. He looks great. He has a great attitude. I just love how the Kur the Kurgans is his asshole dude. But there's so many things he does. It's just like, oh man, I love you. <laughs> I love you, Kurgan. 
Um, oh, you're just gonna rip the top off that car and then there's an old, throw an old man out, then lean over the old lady and go, mom, <laughs> and then just like drive off. <laughs> and then if, after you grab the love, uh, Roxanne Hart's character, um, Brenda, was it Brenda? Uh, I'm blanking all of a sudden. My apologies. Uh, uh, yeah, Brenda. Yeah, the the the, the sword expert. Yes. Uh, and then they're driving off, like driving in front, trying to like doing playing chicken of random cars around New York, all this random shit. Yes, and he's just laughing. He's just like he's such a you know he knows he's immortal. He knows he's, he and he's he, he's an asshole, so he just goes with it. Like fuck, it, what do these people want to do? I, you can't kill me. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I can do whatever the fuck I want unless you cut off my head. Unless you cut off my head. Uh, I mean, and I, obviously, opposite of that is Connor McLeod, who's very, um, obviously he's a good person. Yeah. He understands, you know, he's obviously, you know, understands the weight of being immortal and how, especially after his first, uh, love interest dies, he basically kind of, kind of swears that off. I mean, yeah, I think he has people obviously he cares about and, and such, like with Rachel, but otherwise he just kind of is like, that's it. Like, this is my one love. And then it isn't until he meets Brenda and that kind of goes on that he finds someone else he can care for and love. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like... Especially that, that In his very long sequence. life, there's only three women that he seems to have truly cared about. That's his first wife, Rachel, and Brenda. I agree. That seems to be um, And that's it. <laughs> yeah, in this film, that is it. We are sticking with And that. I appreciate the Rachel's, like, um, not super bummed about the fact that this now mortal 20-year-old dude isn't going to stay with uh, her as a 90-year-old woman. I appreciate that that isn't a very dramatic point. I don't think she's that old. Whatever. My she's like she's like in her, like in her mid fifties probably. Sure. Oh yeah, it is the eighties. But whatever. She understands. She understands all of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you know, he's leaving her the business, all this sort of stuff. Um, where was, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, I want to say my probably favorite part of the film is the whole sequence where you're kind of showing the time time progressing for Connor and um, what was uh um. And, oh yeah, right. No, no, there's Rachel. I'm trying. Sorry, I'm, I'm blanking. Um, on uh, uh, sorry, Kate. Kate. Kate's his, Kate's his wife's name. Back. Oh yes, yes. Back in the old country. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, yeah, with the whole sequence like showing the progression of time with Kate. Now she's getting older. How she dies and all this other things. With like, and that leads to the, my favorite song. And oh shit, no, I can't say favorite. Uh, tie. Tie for two. Because who wants to live forever and Princes of the Universe are two fantastic songs. Yes. Uh, and who wants to live together? Who wants to live forever is amazing in this movie. When it comes up, it's very like a tear wrenching scene. Yes, and it's playing because it's so fucking good. It's great. It's great. Um, and I really like how Connor's clearly pained and somewhat cursed by his immortality, but it hasn't affected his outlook on life or his personality. Like sure, he's he still goes through. He's life. still a good person. He's still going through life. You know, he's just clearly uh, he's tired. Getting drunk, causing duels with, uh, you know, um, nobles Noble and getting stabbed and not giving yeah, a shit. Not giving a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. And I guess we haven't really even talked about uh, Sean Connery's character in this film. No, uh, he's uh, super fun. He's uh, clearly, I, I appreciate that he's just this mentor dude who shows up out of nowhere to help a new immortal just because he's a cool guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. Who was in the court of King Charles the Fifth? Sorry, I forget that one. That I, I that uh, I forget. I could never. I always remember that scene where he shows up on his horse. He looks like as Conor McLeod said, he looks like a giant peacock. Yes. <laughs> and he introduces himself and basically teaches him what's what, a how to be a better swordsman because Connor's just this clunky, 
you know, dude with his giant, like, fucking claymore. And it basically tells him about everything, about the quickening, all these other major elements of the film. And and I like the film. The film keeps everything rather ambiguous in a lot of ways. Like, even uh, Ramirez's character says he himself... We don't know everything. We just know that we're immortal, and we just know that yeah, we don't know why things are going to happen. We don't know why we're immortal. We don't know all these bits, but you know, and the film doesn't try to make up reasons that exist. It doesn't try to super explain. It's like, hey, this, in this universe, this is just how it is. These characters don't know anything beyond what they're. There wasn't. They're there wasn't about. an uh, an immortal genius. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, an immortal Jesus who like descended down from uh, Highlander heaven to explain everything to them. Just. Sure. Groups of people started noticing that they were still alive. <laughs> yeah, and then that's just through over time. Obviously, because like obviously, as Ramirez said, he is, you know, well, wow, um, over a thousand years old at this point, or more. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, the thought thing's been going on a long time. So, um, I appreciate the film in that regard. It sticks with it, and it's a perfect. And by the end of the film, when uh, Connor McLeod kills the Kurgan, because gets the prize. The prize is. He is no longer immortal. Yeah, what a shitty prize! And and he has this kind of hive mind with the rest of the yes, world. Yes, he can hear everyone's thoughts and feelings. And he can have children. Yeah, he's no longer a sterile person. So, and then the idea is that you have this. Uh, I guess this. Um, what's the word? Um, total nirvana. You're one with everything. You know everything. And the idea is you're supposed to use that for good to help make a world a better place. I'm curious what the Kurgan could even do with that prize. Because he's not immortal anymore. Uh, I don't know if you keep your, like, superpowers of being an immortal from, like, absorbing other souls and shit. Well, at the same time, the prize could have been different for him. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe the prize makes him, like, a fucking demigod who can destroy the world. Maybe. So, I mean, they kind of hint at, like, if he got it, it's bad news bears. Maybe. So, it's one of those things they don't really, um... It doesn't matter. Go into... Which is fine. It doesn't matter. You don't, yeah. don't need all the stupid explanations. So, The Highlander, great film, uh, did not perform very well in the United States, which is makes it awkward that, or not awkward, uh, weird in a way that it kept getting so many sequels. Yeah. I think it blew so, up uh, on Steve, home video. That's what happened. Yeah, that's true, too. It did very, very well on home video. A lot of this, this is a time period where, because you're filmed into one theaters, it could easily make it up on home yes. video. That's a very, that's a very true point. Uh, so, Steve, I guess, um, before we kind of, like, do a slight kind of talk about the later films because obviously we're going to do this, this discussion of these franchises. Uh, what would you give Highlander on your rating? Uh, I'd give it a strong 4 out of 5. I really like it. I think it's a, an all-around great film for me. Um, yeah, just a, I, I think it's a good movie with a great soundtrack and great acting and fun, solid action scenes and uh, uh, Highlanders going through a quickening is still one of the most badass things you can do. Oh yeah, the, the perfect animated just, like souls going through him. And just stuff. all fucking electricity, and you're just yelling because of all the goddamn power you're absorbing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know, yeah, four, four and a half. It's it's not. There's a couple of things in it that that make it not a perfect five for me, but it's very close. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love the film very much. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It is a true classic of fantastic eightiness from Canon Films. Just one of those films that, you, that only only Canon could have made in the eighties. Yes, completely. And so from there, <laughs> uh, we move on to. And again, I don't want to get too in depth on these because obviously, I mean, we might come back to them later. And they're let's just be honest, they're not very good. There comes all of the later films, and I guess the series shit the bucket right off the bat <laughs> with Highlander Two: The Quickening. Uh, now they're aliens. Now they're aliens. 
They were sent to this from... planet ages ago. Yeah. Um, Connor. Because they they were they were expelled from their home planet by uh, uh, Michael Ironside's uh, Katana. I think that was the name of the character. <laughs> And so there's like this huge civil war there, all these this stupid shit. Yeah, ge- yeah. Michael Ironside is General Katana. That's quite a name. Yeah, he doesn't wield a katana for his weapon, so imagine that. Uh, yeah. Connor uses his prize to create a wall around the planet uh, because the ozone layer is dying, which, by the way, also uh, prevents all sun from reaching the planet. So go figure. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, it doesn't work out too well. Uh, uh, the only redeeming factor from Highlander to the Quickening is the uh, like the minions Katana sends who pronounce McLeod's name as McLeod. Yeah, it's ridiculous and awful. Um, this is also well known because the producer made a, a renegade cut of the film where they remove every reference to them being aliens yes. in an attempt to fix. Yes, them. then uh, to me that's the best thing about Highlander Two is the renegade cut where they try really hard to cut out all of the alien stuff, and it's amazing how they did it. I was so impressed with the renegade cut. It's still not a good movie, but if that came out first, I don't think everyone would hate it as much. Um, it's true. I think though, and also that everyone... uh, DVD comes with the bonus feature of um, Christopher Lambert talking as if he's mentally handicapped while making fun of the script. <laughs> oh, I'm from I'm from another planet. I'm an alien, and he just does yeah, that for like. Christopher Lambert is pretty on record as not being happy with that. No. Movie. <laughs> uh, I I think I want to say though I think um, it being so bad is what kept it around. Probably. If it was so mediocre, it would have just been forgotten, and then I think from that regard maybe the series would not have gone on anymore yeah so who knows it's one of those things like this movie's budget is massive compared to the first Uh one and it still didn't meet expectations but somehow it pulled through probably home video sales to keep it going probably so then we of course got uh highlander 3 the sorcerer or highlander 3 um what else is it? Yeah, I think it's Sorcerer. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, it has like a few different taglines. I don't. Oh, the final dimension. Oh, yeah, that's right. The final dimension. Why is it called that? I don't know, but from my memory, because I haven't seen it, uh, I think it might be in the most cases. I don't think I've seen all of it, but I, my memory is it's basically a retread of the first film. Yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, and in that sense, it's not that bad of a film. It just feels unnecessary. Another box office bomb. Yeah, I mean that one deserved to be a bomb, unlike the first film. That's true. I, the first film was the only film in the series that didn't deserve it. The hate it got. It made a lot of money in Europe. Just not yeah. Other, of course, was Highlander Endgame, which was set to be kind of a merging between the uh, television series and the film series. Uh, I, I look at Highlander Endgame as if it's the series finale. Um, yes. And that way too. since I like the series, I ended up liking Highlander Endgame, which was surprising to me. But if you don't like the series, you'll hate Highlander Endgame. Um, but I, I think that Endgame at least does some cool stuff. It does uh, some good ideas. There's some nice character arc moments, both with Connor and with Duncan. Um, and the finale of uh, Connor forcing Duncan to take Connor's head just because Connor's so fucking tired and he doesn't want to do this shit anymore. Was a, it was a nice, beautiful moment. And well, Which I guess we should mention right now. There's the, the retcon to the series was that there are, like the first film is that there are a lot more immortals. Yeah. Um, it's, it's as if every sequel in the series is in a new timeline. Where the first yeah. film happened, but in this timeline, uh, the Kurgan was not the last immortal. Yep. 
Uh, this one also notorious because the Highlander Endgame trailer has a, I think 50% of the trailer has footage that was shot for the trailer and with no intentions of ever being in Absolutely, movie. yeah. There's scenes where the bad guy's splitting in two, where he's shooting magic fucking energy balls and shit. Yeah, all this stuff to try to get butts in seats, and it's not there. It was deliberately misleading just to get butts in the seats. Yes. That's, that's one of those fantastic examples of just shitbagging of marketing. Which it wasn't even just marketing. It was the fucking... Everyone in the production was in on it. Knew what they were yep. doing. It's just like, that's just deceptive crap. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Bruce Payne is uh, hamming it to the fucking extremes in this fucking movie. So much? And so there. And then, of course, the total piece of dog shit in the top of the dog shit pile of sequels was Highlander The oh Source. Oh my god. And there's nothing to even talk about that. That movie is dog shit. Absolute dog shit. It, the worst uh, offense of the film is that some shitty fucking new metal band made a like cover of Princes of the Universe, and it is offensive on every. It level. is a terrible cover. Nothing about it is good, and the story is bad. And they completely remake what the prize is, uh, and that's like that. Of all the fucking retcons that they've done, I think that's what is most offensive to me. To just shit on the entire concept of what everyone has been fighting for for you know the past twenty years of the franchise. Mm. Um, and it makes no sense because like the prize is some weird thing where uh, when you get to the source your sperm becomes super powered and then you impregnate a woman and then that child is the one and that's the whole point of being a Highlander but then because of that explanation it doesn't explain why there's ever female Highlanders because yep. they could never get the prize then. So why do they exist? Sure. I think the film is great because the, end, the last shot of the film is supposed to be a blue screen effect and they did not take out, they did not insert anything. So it's just, uh, um, what's his name? Adrian Sorry, Paul. Um, Adrian Paul just standing in front of a blue screen. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I feel bad for Adrian Paul because I thought he was a nice addition to the Highlander franchise. I thought he was a, he was good at being an immortal. Um, and now that movie is the footnote of his Highlander career. Because, yep. I mean, what, what, whether or not you like the series or Endgame, at least uh, um, Christopher Lambert's footnote is uh, self-sacrifice to defeat an ultimate evil. Uh, whereas the source is just all shit and unforgivable. With this just super weird guy who at the for beginning of the film wears this cool thing, so yeah, he can't cut his head off, but then immediately takes it off for the rest of the film. Why would you do that? Hey, dude, you goofed. You, you're, you could protect yourself, but you fucked up. Okay, good for you, buddy. So that's uh, that's really Highlander. There's obviously books. There's the television series. There's the animated series. There's, there's the, the Atari Jaguar there's game. There's the spinoff television series, Raven. Oh, yeah, Raven, which was also... Dog yeah, that, I won't... I don't like that one. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all that. So what it boils down to is that Highlander is great. But it's also one of those films where if you watch that film and you had no, no idea any of these other films existed, would you have thought that that was a film that needed a sequel? Uh, no. It's like, everything's done. It's like, hey, you told us there's always immortals. These are the last two. The last, one guy killed the other one. He's the last immortal. Gets the prize. It is done. So leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we gotta do more. Oh, god damn it. Go, go away, all of you. So that's Highlander. Um, great film. Shitty uh, films afterwards. Moving on to another uh, film I would say is a great little action film that just produced a lot of shit afterwards. Yep. So, uh, 1999... I'm tongue-tied here. I'm fucking it up. 1992's Universal Soldier, directed by Rome... Uh, 
God, today's awful for me. I apologize, guys. Apologize to all my fans. Uh, we do things live, no second takes. Directed by Roland Emmerich before he really got into the habit of blowing up massive cities. Yes. So as IMDb, this is my favorite, my favorite IMDb uh, summary. Luke and Scott were killed in Vietnam, but the army has a secret project for reanimating dead people as near-perfect soldiers. And then what? Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you got you got an itty-bitty bit there, but where's the rest of it? <laughs> you're not you're missing like the entire conflict of the film. Yeah, you have the but, but not the and then. Like you missed the next part of how you write outlines. <laughs> exactly. So trying to trying to expand on that a bit. Uh, Universal Soldier follows uh, two men from Vietnam: Luke Devereaux, played by Jean Claude Van Damme, and Sergeant Andrew Scott, played by Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Who Lundgren goes insane in Vietnam. He, him and Van Damme kill each other, and then we cut to 1992, where we there's a hostage situation, and there's a Universal Soldier program that the Army's developed where they took um, corpses, reanimated them into super soldiers. And among these two are Luke Devereaux and Andrew Scott. So, it, from there, it goes on that to that uh, Andrew Scott's character has some memory regression, so he, he get, gains his memories back, realize, you know, kind of flashes, flashes his memory back to where he was in Vietnam, becomes crazy, and basically takes, you know, goes on a killing spree, going after Luke Devereaux, who, I gotta mix up here, but who before this started kind of regaining some memories, and so he's kind of going rogue. Yeah. And so as the, the, what starts the film, the main plot of the film is that all these people trying to get Luke Devereaux back, and but the same, but, you know, Andrew Scott goes crazy, takes him over, and now Andrew Scott's trying to hunt down Luke Devereaux. Yeah. So that's that's the I guess the general gist without getting too specific in some regards. Uh, so Steve, I, I had you seen Universal Soldier before? We did I mean, this? when I was a child. Yeah. Okay, so this is really a fresh watch. Yes, video. very fresh. Uh, what did you think of Universal Soldier? Uh, I thought it was fucking eighties cheese in a good way. Uh, it was even though it came out in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's so close to the eighties. Yeah, I mean, it was filmed probably in nineteen ninety. It was right there. <laughs> yes. um, you know, it's just. Uh, a fun action movie uh, with some uh, nice moments. I liked the I liked the intro a lot to Vietnam. I thought that was, it was really yeah good, that yeah. was really good. That was probably better than what the rest of the movie is when it comes to tones and settings and uh, messages and stuff. Yeah, I would love to see like the film that took place before that, where Jean Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren just being soldiers in Vietnam. As Dolph slowly loses himself. Yeah, uh, and that's like the yeah, that's like the last scene of that movie. Oh, let's make that movie. Yeah, I want to make the Universal Soldier prequel. Um, that one's just called um, Vietnam Soldier. Sure. Uh, uh, what I like most about that is it sets up my favorite running gag for the movie. Is just uh, Dolph Lundgren doing ear puns. Yes. He has a necklace full of ears. Like, do you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> As he shakes his necklace at Jean Claude Van Damme. I hear you. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, John Claude Van Damme is really good in the film. Uh, Dolph Lundgren sure. is fantastic in the film. Oh yeah, <laughs> so good. He's delivering it all. I mean, it's some, it's some, it's verging on camp, but at the same time, he's playing a man who's going completely insane. Yes. So it all it makes sense. It works. works. Yeah, it totally works. I absolutely. take it. I take him seriously, as insane as he's being. Yeah. Um, the concept is an insanity. Just let's bring back fucking corpses as super soldiers. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious to me. Is like, so these guys died in 1969, 
and you're bringing them. I think it's yeah, China, whatever around Vietnam, and they're bringing them back to life now. And, and, but it's it's now. It's like what you, you. It's like at the end when they're Nam, they say they're gonna put these corpses on ice. It's like so. Have you been developing this since then? That's, like, what'd you do? Just stick them in a freezer? I mean, I don't think you can. That's not how dead I mean, bodies I, work, guys. You don't have this kind of technology. Like, well, you know what? Science. Yeah. Uh, yeah why? Science, why did you use these two Vietnam soldiers and not say two soldiers from the Gulf War that's happening right now? They're fresh. Because uh, they have these two guys. Right. Uh, so, but, science, but regardless, uh, they're super cool, super soldiers. They kick a bunch of ass, start getting their memories back, but uh, they need to stay cool, which leads to some funny scenes with Sean Claude Van Damme being completely naked. He's so hot. So hot. He's going to have a bathtub full of ice. Um, si- cool scientists have the ability to let Dolph Lundgren overheat and die, and then instead opt to tell him to go cool down in order to enact a plan so that they can kill him. That doesn't work doesn't out. Doesn't work out at all. It should just let him overheat. You know, I think at that point he was already like um, aware of what's going on. So he's just going in there just to cool because he needs to cool off. He knows he needs to. And I don't think he's letting on to the fact that they are uh, that they aware that. Right? I mean, like, I think he knows that he's who he is now. So he's just going to go and cool off. He needs to anyways. And they're just like, okay, we got him and all this other stuff. I don't know. I, I see what's going on there because it wasn't quite. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I just watched. It. I don't think it was quite at the point where he's gotten total nuts. So they're just like, "Oh, this guy's malfunctioning weirdly. We need to take yeah. care of that." Well, I mean, at that point, he's killed several people. I would have. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, because they tell him like, "Hey, your thing's going off," and he's like, "Oh, nap time." Nap time. You know, I I want to say though. No, I, I gotta get back to my point. I guess I think he knew what he was doing. Like totally. Maybe. I think he would have realized. I mean, it just goes flashing his me like a second later. He would have realized it. I I kind of get their point though. Like, hey, let's get him to go to sleep. So we can try to kill him, and it just didn't yeah. work out. Because he punches through a guy's face and kills him. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so great. Um, and yeah, the action scenes are fun. Um, yeah, nothing amazing, although I do really enjoy the final fight between Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Um, my favorite moment is when you think Dolph Lundgren kills Jean-Claude Van Damme's lady friend. So you get the classic shot, or maybe now classic, I don't know how established it was in 1992. My memory is, uh, but the classic shot of Jean Claude Van Damme standing up in front of fire and being super pissed off, and then doing his fucking oh Jean Claude Van Damme super kick attacks and doing all these kicks, except uh, Dolph Lundgren super powered and Jean Claude Van Damme is, and so it does nothing. Well, until he injects himself. No, with, but uh, but it actually answers. pumps you up so that when that happens the second time, you are excited because you're like, now it's gonna work. Oh yeah, very. very that's totally true. Good point for sure. Um... My favorite scene in the film is the uh, grocery store scene, <laughs> yeah. where he's he's, he's uh, one of the scientists accidentally gets blown up along with a unisol. So they're in the he, uh, Dolph Lundgren is dragging two corpses through a grocery store. Like, where do you keep your meat? <laughs> and throws them in there, trying to get him cooled off. Because I think the I think we kind of talked about um, the because the technology stuff these guys overheat a lot. So they have to stay cold, and if they're kept cold, then they can repair damage to their bodies. Yeah. So, um, he's trying to put him in the freezer. Obviously, and one of the guys is like his toast. The other guy is like just being dumb, eating raw meat. And I love this whole monologue that Dolph Rundgren does where he's like kind of still like he's a knob. He's like, God, these, these gooks betrayed me. And my favorite line, he says, like, I don't know where to kick ass or to kiss it. <laughs> uh, Dolph, some... Dolph's insanity in this film is so addictive. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's glorious. I love it. Um, so, so I don't know if I missed something, uh, but the scene that confused me the most was the restaurant scene. Um, because uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and the lady are eating food, and then she goes to make a phone call, 
And I feel like the waitress then suddenly came over and just started um, harassing this customer about how he was going to pay, like, prior to them not paying. Like, they weren't even done eating dinner. I think, okay, I'm just, I think, okay, well, obviously, she it seems like she has some attitude in the beginning, because she's, like, a, a bitchy waitress, and I, and I feel like, um, I'm blanking on names, apparently, one second, um, uh, Veronica, Veronica, I think it's, I wish she orders, whatever, so she already has an attitude, and I think it's the point where the fact that there's a fucking table of plates, like, because it's, it's that kind of comedy, too, where I'm so hungry, Carl Claude's yeah. character is, is, yeah, is, is kind of getting memories back, so he's getting these new experiences, he tastes food, he's like, oh, I like this food thing, this food's great, so he's just fucking shoveling plates and plates of food into his mouth, and the... I think it gets to the point. I think the waitress caught an attitude because, hey, you have a table full of plates and you're just eating and eating and eating. And then she's like, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna pay for this?" Like, I I think in that type of bar, that type of environment, I th- I it's not like totally that's, out of out that's of reason, terrible customer but, service. Uh, I will never go to that restaurant. I don't think they give a shit because I don't think that restaurant's open anymore after well, no shit that looked ever. Well, yes, yeah, because they have bad customer service now. The restaurant. Hey, closed. this guy's not going to pay. Hey, I've worked really hard making that food. Let's. And all, they have a misunderstanding where they try to pick a fight with a super powerful dude. I I kept enjoying watching new people in the restaurant seeing him annihilate other people and saying like, "Well, I'll be able to do it." Yeah, that happens a lot. A lot. One dude is kicking everyone's ass, and like all of a sudden, some guy thinks he's the one that can do it. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, you're gonna get fucking killed too, just like everyone yeah. else. <laughs> uh, so totally. yeah, what would you rate Universal Soldier one? Uh, three and a half, three and a half, man. Yeah, about three and a half. I'd yeah. give it a three and a half as well. I completely agree. It's a it's a fun film, but it's not great. You know, it didn't blow me away, but I enjoyed watching it. For sure. Back in uh, Roland Emmerich's kind of, I guess, smaller days before he got onto doing, you know, Independence Day, Godzilla, all these major blockbuster yes. films. So yeah, Dolph Lundgren, shining star of this film, and plus I like Jean Claude Van Damme a lot. And I think he's he's very solid. I agree. Well. I do like Jean Claude Van Damme a lot. And generally speaking, I think he always does a more than adequate job. He's not like Steven Seagal, who's f- a fucking parody of what he's supposed to be. Not even a parody. It's like it's like he's a like a um unaware parody. That's what I mean. Like he's supposed yeah, to be sorry, something sorry. but he's so ins- insane and hilarious and he doesn't know that he is. Jean-Claude Van Damme sure. has always been legitimately a pretty good actor. Especially uh, I'll give a quick plug to JCVD which came out a few years ago which is semi kind of biopicy kind of like a real look into Jean-Claude Van Damme in a way it's a it's a masterful acting from him as if you, you never thought Jean-Claude could act I recommend checking that film out for sure yeah um so uh this, I, I, this will be a quick one because I don't know if you've seen all the other films I'm Steve, sure but, uh, I've seen Universal the second Sol- one at some point and that's it you know like yeah Universal Soldier the franchise really it, it's funny because the first film made enough money but all they did was two like TV slash direct to VHS sequels, yeah. uh, which don't have Jean Claude Van Damme. Then in 1999, there was the uh, direct, I think it was yeah, direct to DVD film uh, Universal Soldier: The Return, in which case Jean Claude Van Damme comes back. Mm-hmm. And it, um, in this this film, this is where it gets weird. The franchise, like Jean Claude Van Damme, is a regular person again. They uh, kind of removed the Unisol stuff from him. Uh, he has a daughter. There is an AI program called Seth, played by Michael Shai White, also known as Black uh, Black Dynamite. Um, and then Goldberg is in this film as well. Uh, it's a. I will say this: the, if I was gonna, 
because obviously the the, the director VHS movies aren't necessarily canon, so this is kind of the first canon yeah. sequel. This sequel is better than Highlander two, obviously, yes. but it's still not very good. In a lot of regards, it's still kind of it's it, it just it's, it feels again like a sequel to a film that didn't need a sequel. Absolutely. Also, it did come out in the box office. It came out in theaters and made ten million dollars off of a forty-five million dollar budget. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then I yep, didn't know. Me that. neither. I just found that, that out explains, now. <laughs> that explains a lot. Um, I don't think it deserves. I think I'm reading here as a like a five uh, percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it's that bad. Not that bad at mm-hmm. all. It, it still does some stuff. It has some kind of silly, some silly CG. It has one of the classic. I mean, I don't talk about it. It's like the ending is Seth gets frozen, and then Jean Claude Van Damme kicks it, and the CG for him kicking it is horrendous and so laughably bad. Perfect. But there's still some funny moments. I think if you like the first one, I don't think there's any reason not to check out the Return. I I enjoyed it for what it was. Not a perfect movie by any means, but okay, per- perfectly passable. Now, when it gets bad, is to the next two films in the series. Um, there was from a couple years, uh, 2010. There was Regeneration, which again is one of those situations that barely has Jean Claude in yeah. it. It's and it, it has and it ignores uh, the 1999 sequel. Yeah, it does, and it's like all these weird things going on where they have to rescue some hostages. All these things. Dolph Lundgren is back and as Andrew Scott, which makes zero fucking sense because he shredded in Universal Soldier. Shredded. Well, he got better. Yeah, fuck. Okay. <laughs> he had the uh, stuff injected in him. You know, he just uh, was, he T one thousand it, except it was way gross. Yeah. Uh, everyone's back as being Unisols, which makes no sense. I don't. I don't really care for it. But then I think the biggest offense is Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning from two thousand twelve. Which is shot like shit. No, it's sh- it has shaky cam fucking action all over the fucking. It's shot place, in three so D. Yeah, and that doesn't help. <laughs> it makes everything worse. All these fucking problems with it. Scott Atkins is the star. Is this random guy who apparently Luke Devereaux's evil now kills Scott Atkins' family for no fucking reason. It's like he's recruiting weird soldiers to be unisols. That makes no sense. Dolph Lundgren is back being fucking crazy as Andrew Scott, which I will say I did like <laughs> in the film, but it still makes zero sense because he shouldn't be fucking alive in the first no. place. And what what just pisses me off the most is that Luke Devereaux in this film is supposed to be like this fucking um, similar to uh, I want to say like Marlon Brando like um, like uh, Apocalypse Now type guy. He's like in a fucking like white face. He's a little weird and all sorts of stuff. He's barely in the fucking film, but he's played as a villain, killing people, doing all this weird shit. I'm like, why'd you do this to this character? Yeah, who's been a hero in all of these other films? Yeah, it's like this is just insulting and fucking awful, and the film is terrible. It's absolute dog shit. I've heard some people say some good things about it. I'm like, I guess maybe, but for me, I don't like it at all. Uh, well, I did. This is this one I did get to see. I didn't see the other two. Um, this film comes off as more of a horror film than an action film. Yeah, kind of, kind of like a uh, like a revenge film. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Um, and watching it like with that in mind, it's better. And I, you can tell the pitch of my voice raising at the end of that because it's still not saying yeah. much. But if you watch it as, like, a revenge horror film, it is better than probably what they intended. But, like you said, it still makes no fucking sex- sense. Dolph Lundgren shouldn't exist. Uh, there's no reason why uh, Devereaux should be super evil now. Uh, and the, this movie just has no reason to exist. No reason to exist. I think that's the worst. That's all I can say about it. I just think the movie's a piece of garbage. Yeah. Especially on top of how, I think, how much goodwill and how much fun that the first film is. Yeah. Especially, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, the original subtitle of the film was A New Dimension. Uh, so, 
<laughs> keeping up with movies randomly referencing an alternate dimension for no reason. Yeah, Mario Van Peebles will show up, and that'll be the final, the final dimension. dimension. Uh, so those are those are those. Those are two franchises that have solid foundation, and this really went to uh, shit. Didn't go. Went to went to total <laughs> shit. The expiration date was uh, smack dab right there, and so that was about it for that. If you guys um, disagree with us, I guess uh, you can uh, email us at moviefilmsofbillandsteve@gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just look up uh, Movie Films of Bill and Steve. We're also on iTunes, Movie Films of Bill and Steve. Uh, you can find us on our Tumblr, moviefilmsofbillandsteve.tumblr.com, where we have a listing of all of our episodes. You can listen to everything. You can listen to this one, our, our uh, Marvel retrospective, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, and a Spider-Man 2 uh, comparison one, all sorts Mar- of stuff. We have some really legitimately good episodes, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. If uh, Our episodes have only gotten better since the first one, unlike these franchises. <laughs> And of course, we have our Jason Satham retrospective and the Disney retrospective. Um, I don't know why I'm going through all this, but maybe I'm just doing it in case there's, you're jumping this in. This is the this is our fury. This is our classes. fury road. This is our fury road. So jump on in. Uh, my daughter is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you want the more intimate Level Bill experience, you can find me on Twitter at Level Bill. You can check out my films and get a hold of me if you go to Facebook.com/SilverSpotlightFilms or the official website SilverSpotlightFilms.com find uh, my email you can find the links to buy all the films directly see the trailers all that cool stuff sounds great and until next time guys happy halloween ladies it's better to burn out than fade away you fool i can't swim (laughs) love you christopher and i bear please kiss us kisses